Byron, Mississippi. It's Lakeshore Church. Nobody gets anywhere by themselves. Hmm. But I want to think about the text for a minute. Here's Paul, who was a mentor, saying to Timothy, do what I've done, Timothy. That, that's good stuff. Not go find you another person, but do as I've done. That, that, that'll preach, okay? That'll preach. When, when somebody can find the Lord the way you have and you can give it away, that's mentoring, all right? And then he said, you do what I've done, you do it to others. And then in two verses, he says, and those guys are going to give it, do it to others. And so he shows us the generational thing there of mentoring. I call it the line of mentoring. It's a great premise. I, I said it a minute ago. Um, I don't know about you, but, and you probably agree with me, we're living in a messed up world, aren't we? I mean, I mean, good night. <laughs> and about the time you think you've seen it all, you see something that goes, man, living. I mean, there's some weird mess going on in our world. And, and I know this is on Facebook, and I stay in trouble. But we, we're living in a messed up world. But you, let, me, let me give you a, a, a grace thought, okay? Here, here's the grace. No one gets there by themselves. I mean, lately I've seen some pictures of people and go, are you kidding me? I've seen some pictures of people and go, that's got to hurt. <laughs> you know? God, but, but why? And, and some of this stuff that's going on, the, the grace I extend, instead of be, having an opinion and, and being critical, just remember this. No one gets there by themselves. Hurting people hurt people. And I'm not justifying their behavior now because if we realize something's not right in our life, we can't explain it away. We need to fix it. We might need to fix it on a couch somewhere and let somebody talk to us a lot, but we need to fix it. You can't, you can't say, well, somebody else did this to me so I can go act like a, a hey, you know, that doesn't work that way. God wants to redeem us. It's a personal relationship. It's not, it's not collective. We individually deal with who we are. And if somebody messed you up, then allow God. I believe God is the great physician. God can heal us of something that's deficient in our life. Okay? Now, i got to move on. But listen to me. It, it might help you <laughs> to think about it's a grace nugget it's to extend that no one gets there by themselves. Somebody did something, either negatively or positively. These guys that got out of school and, and graduated that we celebrate today, they didn't get there by themselves. No, mom and dad were getting up and feeding them breakfast, making sure they brushed their teeth and had clothes on that were, you know, presentable and got them to school and chased them all over everywhere. They didn't get there by themselves. You showed me a graduate from high school that thinks they got somewhere by themselves. They've lost their ever-loving mind. I asked my mama one time the difference between mine and ever-loving, and she commenced to show me. It didn't turn out too well for me. Listen to me. Everybody in this sanctuary should have a card, okay? It looks like, guys, put the tin up there for them real quick. It, it looks just like that. Look at the ladder, all right? And the last one is mentoring. See, see, for me to be a mentor, all of these other things have to be in place in my life. You can't be half cooked and trying to give away a meal to somebody, okay? So, so get this. So many people miss this when it comes to kingdom work. We want to give away something that's really not up to date in my life. We think everybody else ought to have it. We want, our, we want kids to live right. The best way for kids to live right is the mentors that God put in their life to live right. It's not Mother's Day or Father's Day yet. I apologize. But, but here's the point. You got to look at, so, so it's ascending order, okay? But watch this. Today, mentoring is number 10. This is where I told you, we're going to get down to the, the brass egg. Chris and I, Chris Foster and I were talking before service started, and I, and I made the statement, man, I could go back and preach all the ten of these again because you probably don't remember it, all right? 
I don't remember it. I'd go back. And, it needs to be ingrained in us. Go back and watch them. They're on Facebook. We got them on the internet. And it's not just my preaching. It's, it's, it's what does the word say? We've got to be a mentor. Dad, you got to be a mentor to your kids because they're not going to get it anywhere else. If, if you think they are, you need to realize what this is doing to our world. Has our attention. And, and I love my phone with the best of them. I, I pay for my kid's phone, and I said, when I dial you, you better answer. Or you're going to be paying for your own phone. I love being able to get a hold of people. It has some great benefits, but it has some terrible benefits. It has some terrible things, too, that are dooming people because that's where they're getting their information from. And, but, but God's called us to mentor. Yes, at home. Yes, at work. It, yes, in the church. And I'm going to show you some neat things about it. So it's ascending as you and I grow. But then when I get to 10, for me to be the mentor, I'm really taking 10 back to 1. So, so as I affect somebody and start mentoring them, what I'm doing is helping them grow off the ladder, up the ladder the way they need to. And, and that's, that's a great visual for us, not because I did anything in it or, or God authored that, but, but understanding it. And I don't think many people do. It's like we're all on this pilgrimage and hopefully we'll get there. It's not, it's not that. It's intentional, folks. And, and mentoring is that, all right? So you, so you got the ladder. I, I love this. I found it's just a little thing I found on the internet about, about success and it says it so well <clears throat> it says this that you are not a true success unless you're helping others be successful true success is helping others be successful that to me that's the reason parenting works I got a dear friend that he said about his 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 son that hey all I want is it to be easier for my son so so we want other people to be a success that's really what success is and we want other people to be successful is selfishness than when it's just about me. But yet we're pouring into other people, all right? So, so that's where we are. Okay, listen. Just in mentoring, let me give you some thoughts. <clears throat> First, it's sacred. Now, that's a heavy word. Uh, it's not ego. When somebody says, I'm your mentor, you will do this, that, and the other. No, no, no. It's sacred. And I, and I want to unpackage this. It's a serious issue. It truly is. Um, again, it's not a, a, a parenting thing. It's not Mother's Day, Father's Day. But I struggle in our world today because we want to talk about what's serious and what the problems are and what we need to fix in our world. Listen to me, folks. And this is right off the press. Four out of ten families in, in America today do not have a dad at the house. I, I wonder this. When they came up with the word diction of mentoring, it's amazing that men's in it. Hmm. I, I don't have anything else. There's nothing else to that. It just sticks out to me. See, we have a problem in our world today that people don't realize how serious it is to be someone over someone or lead someone, we don't realize how sacred that position is. And it's not just in parenting, but in every arena it, it applies. Now, I've already shared with you the text. The text is actually a mentor and mentoree of Paul and Timothy. That's the text in the New Testament. There was one in the Old Testament, and it was Moses and Joshua. I remember learning this 25, 30 years ago, and I've shared it hundreds of times because there's not a better example of us understanding how good it can be and how tragic it can be if we don't mentor. Let me tell you, the, 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 give you the background. Moses, I'll show you two places. Moses was, he was used of God mightily, correct? <laughs> Children left Egypt. He followed, they did all these unbelievable things and he led them. I mean, he led them across dry ground and a river and a sea. I mean, it's unbelievable stuff. All kind of stuff. Manna coming from heaven and, <laughs> and, and quail. I, I, unbelievable. But Moses, he was mentoring all along. Let me show this to you. Exodus 24, 13 and 14. 
So Moses arose with his assistant Joshua and went up the mountain of God. Huh. He told the elders, wait here. For who? For us. Until we return to you. Aaron and her are here with you. Whoever has a dispute should go to them. In other words, he didn't leave all the people without leadership. He left Aaron and her in charge. Okay? But Joshua was with Moses. That's significant. All those things that were happening on Mount Sinai with, with God and Moses, Joshua was taking it in too. <laughs> Let me show you another one. Exodus 33, verse 11. The Lord would speak with Moses face to face, just as a man speaks with his friend. Then Moses would return to the camp. His assistant, the young man Joshua, son of Nun, would not leave the inside of the tent. If you go and read the rest of the chapter 33, it talks about Moses wanting to see the glory of God. I believe Joshua's right there taking all that in as well. What am I telling you that mentoring is a sacred business? John Maxwell said it best this way. He said, there is no success without a successor. Hmm. We want to talk about success. Hmm. You think about it. Somebody does great business exploits, and yet their death, their business, the, the effect they had in society, much of that goes away because they didn't have a successor. You look at business models when they have a successor. Maybe it's a family business or, or out there when somebody's raising up the person to succeed them. Many times that business goes so much further. Back to Joshua before we move on. The saddest time, let's, let me tell you the indictment part of it. When Moses raised up Joshua, Joshua took the children of Israel further than Moses ever did. Took them into the promised land. Hmm, there's a lot of stuff you could read in that. Now, let me tell you the indictment on Joshua. Joshua and all of his business and all he did, he never raised up a leader. He never raised up an assistant. He never raised up a mentoree. Maybe he didn't have time. Maybe he was too busy. Maybe he had a nagging wife. Maybe he had a bunch of kids that were after him all the time. I don't know. But he didn't do what he needed to do for the next generation. You know what's sad? Is that right after Joshua comes the period of the judges. You can go read it. You know, you know what the, uh, the assessment of the period of judges was? It said that people did what was right in their own sight. So he didn't raise up a leader to succeed him. Success without a successor is a failure. And it was a very terrible time for the children of Israel because there was no leader that should have been mentored before he was the leader. Sacred. Secondly, the same way in will of God. Just two thoughts I want to give you here. It's hard to impact someone going a different direction. I love this analogy. If you understand soccer... Please take me out to a lunch and explain it to me. <laughs> You're buying, okay? Got to be a great place to eat. I don't understand soccer. Sometimes when what I'm watching like a baseball game was on thing and I turn it over and the World Cup was on, I'm going, what are they doing? I don't understand it. I've tried to watch it, I, but I don't understand it. But all of a sudden, the rec department in Hines County, Kapai County where we live, knows that I've coached before in some other sport. They said, Pastor, we would like for you to coach soccer. I could imagine what a mom and dad would do to me after a month of coaching soccer. They're bad enough in baseball. I couldn't imagine what they do in soccer. Listen, coaching, listen to me, is a synonym of mentoring. A coach, some coaches need to hear this, a coach is not in the game, but he affects the game. He's not swinging the bat. He's not throwing the baseball, but you're impacting you're mentoring, if you will, people that are on the field. When you're mentoring, you're not supposed to live your life through them. No, you're helping them live their life. And if you don't get that, then we're all mixed up and messed up. 
I'm not living my life through you. I got my own life. But what God's called me to do is help you exceed in the life that he's given you. That's back to the ladder. For you to have disciplines in your life, for you to have spiritual giftedness awareness in your life, for you to carry your cross the way you need to in serving, for you to witness to other people in Christ, that's my responsibility as a pastor. Not to live my life through you, but to help you live your life in Christ that brings glory and honor to him. And that's the same thing with you as a parent. That's the same thing with you in, in, in the world that we live in. And maybe, God forbid, you have to coach something. All right? So many people confuse that. It's the same way it's the will of God. Look at this verse, Philippians chapter 4, verse 9. It says, do what, I love this. Paul's talking to a church at Philippi, and this is what he writes. Do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me, and the God of peace be with you. <laughs> what a great verse. I'll tell you, so listen, listen, this gets me excited. If somebody can find the Lord, you're talking about humbling. If somebody can find the Lord by walking in our footprints, then we're doing some good stuff. It's not the world that we live in today. Say, so listen, don't listen to me. <laughs> don't watch my life. Hey, go find someone over there. It really means something. Think about, think about how invigorating that is when Paul said, hey, you want to find the Lord? Then you just walk in my steps. You want to serve the Lord? You want to affect the kingdom for him? Then you do as I've done. You, you talk the way you've heard me talk. You, you live the way you've seen me live. That right there will work. It's the same way, and it's the will of God for us to do that. It truly is. Thirdly, I love this point. I get to talk about my daughter, my youngest. Thirdly, when I think about mentoring, the word shadowing comes to mind. That's a neat word that's come up the last 20 years or so. I don't know if I heard that before two decades ago, but now it's a, it's a household word. Uh, Mallory just finished her uh, third year at, at Mississippi College, 4-0 student. She's my child. <laughs> Yeah, let me tell you what I know about that. It skips generations. That's what I know about that. But very proud of Mallory. She's going to be an occupational therapist, she thinks. That's what direction she's going and doing really well in her, in her studies. And, and, uh, but this year, she started shadowing. Um, I remember Roger White. He's in heaven today. But I remember Roger. With, with Ma Abby was in nursing school and didn't know Mallory was going to go this route. But Ab Roger White... Uh, nurse and ethicist came to me and said, listen, anytime you're, they want to shadow me, we'll take them to the hospital and th that kind of thing and let them shadow me. And, that, and I thought, man, I thought, what in the world is all that? And so, but what it amounts to is somebody else is showing you their career, showing them how to do things. Elena's back there. I, I apologize, Elena. I didn't clear this with you before. And it's not going to be that bad, Elena. I'm not going to tell that stuff. It's going to get us in trouble, okay? It's, it's going to be real, real. But Elena's in our church, Elena Pope Foley. And, um, and she, in her medical profession, uh, Mallory shattered her. It's really neat. Now, this is a little bit bad, Elena. This would never apply to you because everybody who knows you knows this is not true. But, but here's, here's where we got to get it, folks, when it comes to mentoring. It would be like Elena telling Ad Mallory, said, Mallory, I want you at this time, I want you at 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, whatever, I want you to meet me at the front door of this hospital, and you're going to shatter me all day long. Mallory shows up, and Elena doesn't show up. Mallory stands there hours. Elena never shows up. Now, if you know Elena, you know that's not true. That would never, ever happen. Now, Dylan, that's a whole other story. But anyways, <clears throat> seriously, folks, listen to me. Not about Elena. I, I want to talk about us. If we don't realize the magnitude of mentoring, today in the Christian faith, people need us to show up. Let me tell you what's wrong in our world politically is the child of God's not showing up. Let me tell you what's wrong with this. 
the child of God's not showing up. How dare me something flips either TikTok or Facebook and I see nine or ten things that bring, oh, I don't even like to think about what it's doing for the call, against the cause of Christ and you have less and less people standing for Christ. Hmm? Shadowing. God's called us. You can't shadow from a distance. It's got to be up close. You know, you got to meet them at the front door, walk them through your life, engage yourself in them. It's so firm. I, I think about it. You got to show somebody the ropes. I love sayings, and, and I'm old enough. I like to look where sayings came from. You ever heard that, showing somebody the ropes? I'd probably say, when I first heard that, I thought it was a boxing analogy. You know, you take them in the corner and you beat the living daylights out of them. You're showing them the ropes. When I researched, found out I wasn't even close. Do you know where it comes from? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm going to show you where it comes from. Showing somebody the ropes. It's actually a nautical expression. It's actually people in the, when, when they're on ships. And you got all these deals with sails and all that. And let me tell you something. If I was on that ship, I would hope somebody would show me the ropes. Listen to me. How will somebody in Christ know the ropes if somebody else doesn't show them? Here's your thought. might be liberating to you. That tough time you went through, maybe, just maybe, God allowed us to go through it so we can show the next person the ropes when they go through it. It's good. That's good for graduate Sunday because you've got ones behind you that need to know the ropes. Hmm, it's there. Let me give you one more. I love this point too. It's also a very small number. <laughs> it's so true. Listen, the third season of Chosen is out. I just started it. Man, that's some good stuff. If you've not seen the first two, you need to go all the way back. Corey, isn't it great that I'm talking about this after you stayed on me so long? And I didn't like you when you were doing that. I just want you to know that, Corey. I really had to pray through about it. Corey Forsyth is in our church, and he told me all about the Chosen. I said, Corey, I ain't got time to do that. And finally, I was preaching on Nicodemus one time, and, and Daniel said, you got to watch the Chosen. And I watched about 10 minutes of the encounter with Nicodemus and Jesus, and I was done. I cried a puddle. I mean, one of those times, Nicodemus is probably my favorite Bible character. Uh, not for what we see in Nicodemus, but what we didn't see. And I hope to have that conversation with him in eternity. But here, here's what I want to share with you. It's a small number. The Son of God, Jesus is omniscient. He's part of the Trinity. He's deity. He's divine. Listen to me. Three and a half years, Jesus was with 12 guys. <laughs> 12 guys. <laughs> That's 21 where I come from. It's because you're sitting out there. You come up here, be 12. All right? Listen to me, 12 folks. Don't you think he should have done it at the Colosseum? Let's get thousands of people down here and let Jesus touch them. No, no, no. I, I got some great sayings for you in just a minute. Paul, just, you go read the last writing of Paul. Paul just had a handful. He, did, he probably had six. He didn't affect that many people mentoring. Now, he did a lot for the cause of Christ, but I'm talking about individually mentoring people. He, maybe six or less. Moses only had one. The sadness, I've already told you, Joshua didn't have any. But this is what I want to say. It's a small number. We're, we're not talking about going out and changing the world. Really, we're just supposed to help one. I really believe in my ministry. I believe with everything about 30-something years. I can go back and it's less than six and probably far more than that. I mean, we impact everybody, but we're talking about something that's very consecrated. It's serious and sacred. I want to show you something. We need to get this. It's lifetime, not assembly line, you know, <coughs> we want to mass produce stuff. We want to, oh, we just run them down there and run them off there like we're going through a drive-through window. No, it's really a lifetime. 
if God has already revealed to you yours, you know, maybe you need to affirm it today and just realize they're not going away. <laughs> I had a guy a few years ago that led a fellow to the Lord. And the guy that he led to the Lord, he used drugs a lot and he, alcohol and he's very promiscuous. He was out there now. And when he got saved, he changed it all. So what he realized is this guy led me to the Lord. And, and so when he was out there and he'd been tempted or whatever, he'd call this guy on the phone. Sometimes he'd call him at 11 o'clock or 12 o'clock at night. And so he told me after a few months, he said, Pastor, can we talk? I said, sure. And he said, listen, this mentor, and he didn't say mentor, but he said, this stuff is hard work. This guy led to the Lord thinks he can call me in the middle of the night. I got to sleep. I got to go to work. We need reminders, folks. If we're going to impact somebody for Christ, it's not a drive-through window. Hmm? It's a lifetime, not an assembly line. It, it, it's forever. It's until we see Christ. Until we see Christ. And I wrote it down another way, and it'll be up there. It's it's mentoring, not mass production. We we want to come up with a better way. Let me tell you something. You need to hear this. If Jesus, the Son of God, who had no sin, he knew tomorrow from today, he knew exactly what was going on in all these guys' life. If he only had twelve. You and me are going to do good to have one or two. But we can't divorce ourselves from that and say it doesn't apply to me. It applies to every one of us. I guarantee if you'll give a little thought, and we're going to allow you to do that in just a second, it'll impact your life. All right? And, and I love this. <clears throat> Suzanne, I love talking about food, especially on Sunday when you won't hush and they're already hungry. They didn't eat breakfast. They overslept. Suzanne put some chicken in the crock pot a couple of days ago. And I don't know where she's getting this stuff. I hope it's legal what she's putting in there. But this chicken she did, she broke it all out in the crock pot. And I had sandwiches last night. I thought I had died and gone to heaven. I thought I was sitting at the marriage supper of the lamb. That's the best sandwich on bunny bread I've had in a long time. And the other reason, nobody was in the den. I was eating by myself watching what I wanted to do on TV. Let's, let's just lay it all out there. I felt like I was king for at least 45 seconds. Listen. That was fine chicken now. But let me tell you what happened. She put it on the day before. And I've gotten older, and there's something like getting up and going to the restroom in the middle of the night that just will not leave me alone. I've asked the Lord, Lord, unless you want to speak to me, I'd just like to sleep all the way through the night if that'd be all right. But it hadn't happened yet. So I get up to go to the restroom. That's what you do when you're 57. And, uh, man, that crock pot has smelled up the whole house. I almost felt like I'm supposed to go eat some of that now. And it was 3 o'clock in the morning. Fine stuff. Can I rein it in quickly? I wonder how many times we haven't turned the crock pot on. We'd rather go to Waffle House and get it in five minutes than to believe God for a lifetime. Church, get this now. I'm almost done with the ladder. You, you're never going to not hear it. But I'm done with this sermon. People wonder what's going on. What's going on is the person in front of us is not really clear. God helped me to be the crock pot. God helped me to be reminded that you're not going to get it through the drive through You know, it's, it's, it's long term, you know. And, and here's my thing. We done become so microwave oriented I don't know about you. I'm upset if I put it on a minute and it's not hot when I open the door. That's not the cause of Christ. Jesus, listen, again, the Son of God spent three and a half years. And I'll give you a liberating thought before we move on. 
You know what? Eleven of them got it. This has been good for me. If, if Jesus didn't have a 100% return on his mentoring investment of 12 men, then I'm probably not going to either. There's going to be somebody in your life let you down. Mom and dad, they're not going to do everything you think they ought to do. You can, you can lead them to water. doesn't mean they're going to drink. You, you can show them the way. There might be rebellious in their life. I don't know why. I'm not that bright. I'm not that bright. But if Jesus did not have 12 for 12, Jay Frazier's probably not going to have 12 for 12 either. But it's a small number. But that doesn't detour us from being what God wants us to be. All right? This is where I want to end. I got a great question for you. I had a couple of great people come up to me after. I want to talk about that. I want to talk to you about that. You know the only thing you can take to heaven with you? <clears throat> Thanks for answering that, Miss Mary Jane. We're going to have to talk about your answer. <laughs> only thing you can take to heaven, listen to this. Can I take my wealth with me? No. No. I'm probably not going to have much, but what I do have and I leave, my children are going to blow it. They're going to take my stuff to the pawn shop as soon as I'm gone. Got that nice gun I like? It's a pawn shop. It's done. A lot more valuable from the pawn shop. Can I take my health with me? No. My health, the Bible plainly shows, is going to deteriorate to the point of death. It's an appointment. <laughs> Here's one for you. Can, can I take my body with me? No. We're going to have a new body. Here's, a good, here's an old. Can I take my relationships with me? I'll tell you what, I don't know everything about Suzanne, but she's looking forward to one part. I've met people who say, I just struggle with this thing, Brother Jay. I'm not going to be married to him. I'm not going to be married to her. That, that really bothers me in eternity. I'm going to tell you something. Suzanne, I don't think she's ever had that issue. <laughs> she was in the first service, and the look on her face was priceless. Yeah. I hope I get some more chicken out of the crock pot. <laughs> but the Bible says we're not going to be married. I don't know how it's going to be. It's going to be better than here, guys. Do I think I'll know Suzanne? Yeah. Do I think I'll know you? Yeah. We're going to know about redemption. People say, oh, all this stuff, former things going to be wiped away. That's what the scripture says. But we're going to know why we're in heaven, folks. And, and if I know him as my redeemer, then I've got to know what I was redeemed from. Do you follow me? Now, I think we'll have a, a, a higher understanding. But listen to me very carefully. We'll know each other, but Suzanne's thrilled. There's not going to be any marrying in heaven. I don't know what that looks like. Okay? So just, just work through that. God will help you, all right? So relationships, though they'll be similar, we're not going to take our relationship to the fullness to heaven either as far as marriage and all that kind of stuff. I do believe we'll know each other. The one thing that we can take to heaven is someone else. Give that some thought. I believe our reward is going to be about how we affected other people for Christ. What about my money? You're not going to take it with you. What about what I did? What you did is going to be recorded that affected other people for the cause of the kingdom. How you live, how you witnessed, how you served, how you operate, that's it. All right? I'm done. Listen to this. What I want you to do with that card that you got, all right, is this thought. Turn it over on the other side. You got to get your card. Look, everybody needs to be looking down. Don't be looking at me. Turn it over. And I'm going to pray over us in about a minute, okay? We're done. This is what I want you to do. I want in the next 24 hours or day or two, your next quiet time, I want you to ask God where you are. Not where Jay thinks you are or your spouse thinks you are, your children or your parents, but you ask the Lord with those 10 rungs of that ladder, you ask the Lord where you are. 
If you can't get past rung three, I would love for you to come see me. I'll not embarrass you. Conversion is the difference in eternity between heaven and hell. All right? From the number one rung all the way to ten in ascending order, God, which rung of the ladder am I on?